What's going on, guys? It is Friday, August 18th. You're listening to the Daily AI Show live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So today, as you can see, some of us knew Aloha. it was Aloha Friday, and some of us Aloha. didn't. And I don't want to point out who did or who didn't know <laughs> it was Aloha Friday. You don't want to point out? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. For any of our listeners that might be on Spotify by guessing, I'm just going to give you the it's It's me and Beth. Me and Beth didn't know it was Aloha Friday. So um, we got a great crew here today. Um, Aaron's not in here today. Carl might be joining us. And today we're talking all about APIs. And we're going to start with the, the basics and we're going to ratchet up from there to wherever we we can take it. So I'm going to step out of this because I know, Jumi, you said, hey, I'm, I'll take this one. I can get this started. And then if you want, I did ask ChatGPT for like a five-year-old level of explaining APIs, but actually it was a pretty cool example with robots. So let me know if I can throw that in there at any time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So quick overview for everyone who doesn't understand. So API stands for Application Programming Interface. All it is is a set of protocols set up so for a particular application so that a third party or outside user can access whatever service tool uh, that application is for. So whenever you access uh, ChatGPT, it's actually accessing its own API. Whenever you're accessing using like Zapier or Make to create an automation, you are telling it what APIs, what integrations with your other services that you're trying to access, whether that be Google Docs or you know, Microsoft or an, anything like that. That's pretty much what an, a, an API is there for. It's to expand, make their application more extensible so that, mo uh, so that people can integrate and automate and use their application on a uh, base level, something that runs in the backend. So to make it a little more uh, seamless. Right. And I think to add on to that, it's basically good for if you have two SaaS products, two uh, software as a service products that you use in your organization, and you'd love for them to work together. You'd love for them to talk and the data to be shared. And when something happens over here, something happens over here. That, that's that's what APIs are for. And companies like Zapier and Make are basically the Grand Central Station of all that data. So Zapier will go out to one, get it what it needs and go out to the other, get what it needs and kind of make them talk together, make them work together. It's really a brilliant software so in the context of of this conversation is if anybody wants to say more about apis go for it We're, we really want to kind of get everybody's thoughts and talk to the audience about uh how ai is playing into that so we have the typical players we have OpenAI, we have uh anthropic we have uh cohere we have ai to have ai twin labs have the open uh source network and so these are all language models that the api is going mm. to be going out and accessing their product or their, their 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 basic technology okay so you can make it an api call to those products get an answer bring it back and then shove it into some other software product that you have and so when you have that level of complexity and that level of of uh, integration it, it's really on you to figure out the use case really you now you have the tool you have a hammer now. You got to find a nail. What do y'all think? Yeah, that I I agree. That's that's exactly what you're trying to do. Uh, I think the the it just comes down to uh, making your applications work with each other and making it doing doing it at 
at a fully integrated level so that it all just runs uh, seamlessly, hopefully, uh, in the background. So that whatever the user experiences for your application, whether you are a B2C uh, you know, company or a B2C tool or program, you want to make sure that your your customer, the client, is just has no uh, doesn't look behind the the curtain, right? Uh, so you just want that flawless experience, and that's what APIs do for you. Is it it allows you to expand the amount of power and access and information you have uh, for any application that you build. So does anybody here have any experience, uh, actually specific cases that they're working on now that um, I could talk about mine, but I was curious before I start talking, if anybody's using some APIs with AI uh, to do some pro projects right now. So well, one, I, of the, one of the first times I needed it was for GPT for work, which before Code Interpreter came out, uh, and now that it's out, it's still pretty useful. Um, it, it integrates with Google Sheets and uh, makes calls directly to an AI's GPT technology. Um, and that's when I learned like, okay, so how do I generate this? Um, uh, GPT for work walked you right through it, right? There are little screenshots. Um, and that was super useful. Like it, it, it um, the big explanation sounds kind of complicated, but you don't even need to know what is happening behind the scenes. You should totally know what's happening behind the scenes, but you don't need to in order to generate the API and stick it in the box that says, put your API here and then use it. Yeah, I, I, I love that I point. You don't have to know what's going on behind the scenes. I love that because this is not a coding tool. This is used by coders. But honestly, this is a no-code solution. Sorry, Brian, what you were going to say? No, no, I was going to say, right, I was just agreeing with that. That's kind of where I've been using at this point. I've used it in like uh, GPT for Sheets, which we're using in our current boot camps that, we're, that I'm helping with. Um, I'm using it in things like uh, Langflow, um, which is like a Langchain um, tool that allows you to have like a no-code, low-code solution as well. Um, so again, though, for me, it's mainly been popping in those API keys, which I think it's worth um, just saying too. you got to be really careful if it hasn't already been said. Sorry, Jimmy, you were talking at the beginning. So if I missed it, I apologize. But you got to be careful with your API keys because <clears throat> you have to keep those private. Uh, you have to make sure that you're not sharing videos. You know, if you're sharing with somebody else that that API key is not on the screen um, because somebody else can quickly take that API key and use it and then run up a huge bill on you. Um, you also have to be careful with making sure that you don't have like some open-ended script going on, because I think we were talking about the other day when somebody got charged $17,000 because their API key was, you know, whatever they were running, didn't have a cease on it or cease and desist on it or some endpoint after so many iterations. And so it kept running and actually ran up a huge bill, which I mean, at the prices that it cost, to, which is like six cents per 750 words, I think on GPT-4 through the API like seventeen thousand dollars is like that's that's impressive, <laughs> not not great for that person, but impressive to run up that kind of bill. So I just wanted to put that out there. Like that's kind of where my use cases have been. Obviously Zapier. Um, I haven't messed with Make as much. I know we're going to be talking about those next week as well, but uh, Zapier for sure. And then anywhere else, I mean, I think at this point, if I went in and looked on the backside of OpenAI, I probably have probably 15 different generated API keys. So probably about that many use cases that I've personally used. So not much, but anyway, and welcome Carl, by the way. Yeah, 
I want to talk about uh, APIs and integrating multiple uh, elements of a system stack within a company. So in your company, if you're working in a business right now, your development team is using APIs all the time to accomplish integrations between pieces of software as a service, SaaS, that are being purchased and subscribed by your company, but they have to use API documentation for each one of them and determine what endpoints they want to weave together in order to have each of these independently developed systems talk to each other. So it's a lingua franca of of computer integrations across the web. Andy, pause right there. Explain endpoints for me. Yeah. So when I when I build a feature server and I want to offer a service on the web, I have to publish my endpoints. And I might say, okay, if you want to <clears throat> query my service and figure out what you know an order number is, then the endpoint for order information is this. And it gives you a string of characters that you have to address with your computer code in order to do that. So let me jump over and say, for individual users, we, previously we probably never, unless we were in the development team, we never really in, engaged with APIs. But now in the no code or low code environment, we're talking about APIs because there, there's other services that have been provided that allow us like Zapier and Make to exploit those endpoints. And there's an endpoint that's been published by Slack. There's an endpoint that's been published by uh, uh, Google for their Sheets uh, uh, applications and so on. And now you can use like drag and drop workflow management systems like Langchain and Langflow. Mm-hmm. And there's other companies that are coming out that operate really as API switchers. So now it, you can you know you can address an API with Open API. Uh, Open AI, I'm sorry. <laughs> it is yeah, yeah. it is like Open API as well. It's really using APIs to do that. So you can address that as a single endpoint, but you can also do a series of steps to create an application that exploits multiple services out there on the web and weaves them all together. So that's really the power is when you start to build something together like that. And and I'm familiar with a few of the chatbot building systems that allow you to basically turn a dial and say, okay, I I express this prompt to OpenAI, but what happens if I switch it over to Claude? Now, I've already uploaded my API key for OpenAI and for Claude, and all I have to do is change the endpoint. And now it's going to give me a response from Claude rather than from OpenAI. Mm-hmm. So that kind of switching is what these new low-code environment uh, services are providing to you so you can use APIs. Nice. That's really interesting. And, and, and that leads me to a, a, a part of this conversation I think we should jump to, which is agents and function calls. So uh, you've probably heard the, com- the term agents. And, and I think what Andy is kind of alluding to a little bit about, about that, uh, what his last few comments was, Agents allow you to uh, use APIs to create certain certain roles, certain um, specialist uh, uh, API calls. So l- let's say you're in an environment and, and actually OpenAI has uh, the ability for you to do function calls. I want the weather. Okay, that, that's a very basic thing. But let's say you're, you're doing a large prompt, but you want one specific thing to be very accurate. So you'll do a function call. You'll do a 
an API um, um, specific for the weather, or you'll do specific for a, a statistic or a math equation uh, solution. And so what you're doing is you're basically sending APIs out to do these specific function calls, or maybe in the LangChain environment, you're doing specific agents that solve those problems. So you're, you're, you're stacking all of these up to, to have a, a, a much better solution. Now, I'm, I'm, that's a little bit generic. Does anybody have experience with that so they can spin it in more detail? I, I want to just add a, a, a connotation of agent, which is, you know, the large language models have reasoning capability. And they can look at an objective and decide what information needs to be collected. And they also have a list of all the open uh, endpoints that are out there that might provide that information. And so an agent can actually design an AI agent can design the sequence of steps that we described in such a thing as Langflow or just you know an, an, an API workflow sequence and do it for you. And that's getting really to the point of no code where I can just say, hey, to my LLM, I want this to happen. And it knows how to go out and establish those API connections, go out, does it, like literally does it, and then can actually turn around and publish things to the web as well, to a web page and so on. And that's and those who don't know, LangChain, LangFlow are like a Grand Central Station as well for those different agents. So you're you're able to pull those different specialist agents together to create that product. So that's what you would use. Carl, uh, what do you have to add to the conversation? So, so just uh, just to I guess expand on Andy's point, where you know I've been using FlowWise. Langflow to to build a couple of different or you know test different applications and I think at this point from an agent perspective I don't know you, all of your experience but there's still not functioning I would say 100% of the time we're talking like 60 50% of the time there's a lot of like stalling from what I've been trying to to either build out or, or test. But I think from an API perspective too, one thing I wanted to, I guess, touch on would be, it's all, we're all dependent on that provider. And are, are we, are we confident in maybe playing a dead devil's advocate? Are we confident that whoever provides that API, and most of us use the open AI API, but like, we're all subject to OpenAI's rules of use. And that's kind of like, you know, everything we build is based on their rules. Right. And, right? So, and, and, and also, if you build a product with the API and they change something, now your product is crap, yes. right? Yes. So you're in trouble, yeah. Yes, yes. And I think that's kind of point, maybe not exactly a danger because you know they're one of the biggest providers but just you see how many ai apps are out there built on open ai's api right we've seen the you know the 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 new sort the the article that says oh gpt is he froze okay i want to i want to add to what he was saying which is yeah it's their business model, right? They're, that's the way they make their huge sums of money. Yeah, You can go and work on ChatGPT sure. with 3.5 Turbo right now for free if you type everything in through the web you know, UI, mm -hmm. like a, you're in a browser. 
But if you want to do something that's more automated and exploits the speed of computing, then you're going to use the API and they charge you for every character basically that flows through that API. And that's where we get these uh, dramatic $17,000 a month bills and they're, they're even larger bills. I mean, I've heard these things about, you know, just even operating, uh, you know, open AI costs something like, you know, seven million dollars a week or something. Seven hundred thousand dollars a day. Charge for all of that compute yeah. power, and it's done through monitoring each individual API key owner's transaction flow through their system, and they charge that user for it. Yeah, I saw a headline that OpenAI was uh, looking to become bankrupt soon. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I I do want to give an analogy real quick. So, like, let's say you're a restaurant owner and you buy chicken from a supplier or lettuce, and then all of your customers get salmonella poisoning or some kind of terrible poisoning because of that product. Then who's who's liable? Like, they're going to see the restaurant owner is, oh, I went to that restaurant, I got I got this salmonella poisoning. This is the same thing with opening out. If you build a product that uses that that API and they change something and your product is shit, pardon my French, then they don't look at the open AI, open nope. AI they look at you. So right. be aware of building products. The end user. Yeah, and I wanted to just sort of, cause, so I'm going to play like sort of, because you guys are, you're doing a wonderful job explaining this, and but I want to make sure I'm bringing this back to sort of like basic level because that's, that's where I kind of feel like I am sometimes with a, uh, open AI doing the same thing apis <laughs> uh doesn't have to be open ai um it's, it's too many of the same letters in there uh but you know one of the things you were saying kind of carl and i think andy you were also saying is that in like july of this year they opened up gpt4 to general use through the api and then they said oh this is open ai said um over time as you would imagine we will i think they call it a depreciate or they will get rid of yeah, they'll have an end date for older models, whether that's GPT-3 or 3.5 or 3.5 Turbo eventually and things like this. And then eventually 4 will go away in time. Mm-hmm. So now we have all these plugins, all these products that have been created that call mm-hmm. to this uh, API. And I'm sure that the, if I understand it right, that company has the choice to switch models. But it could be that when you switch, even though 4, we would all generally say is better the outputs are better it could actually break the product i think robert you're kind of saying that it could it could create actually whatever that plugin or that end user experience is whether it's a chatbot on a website or whatever to actually turn out to be worse and what? some of that is like even worse what, than that. what we talked about with like pro with uh prompt drift right? right in the terms of like what you do today may not still be as effective effective or efficient tomorrow it may not produce the same quality results. So I understand. I was that, actually right? playing around with the Python code for G- 3.5 and 4. I was, you know, just pl- I'm not a coder. I just like to play around with it. But I, when they launched GP4's API, the parameters are all different. So if you set your code up with certain parameters like weight and um, I forgot the other ones that they call them. Temperature. Uh, temperature yeah. It, they use different terms. For GPT-4, it completely shifted. And so now you're not properly tuning your model because it has different parameters. So you're going to have to have your coders go back into your – if it's sophisticated, every one of your API right. calls are going to have to be adjusted. If you, It's just – I don't know. It's just something to be aware of. So this, Which is good <clears throat> for longevity of those who are providing AI ops, AI consultancy. It gives you much better, which is what we do at WSI is being able to 
allow you an opportunity to continue to be useful to your client is like, well, I have to be there I, if something breaks to fix it for you, you know? Yeah. yeah and I, and I, I want to be clear yeah. that, that this, this, this concept is no, nothing new to software development. Oh, no. Okay. So yeah, depreciation of a product going from one to another, everyone can know, uh, knows that, uh, we can't, uh, Windows 7 is not updated anymore, right? right. And, and Microsoft's <laughs> trying to get you to Windows 11. And so in a few years, Windows 10 won't be available anymore. So this is, this is a natural process of right. software development. It, you know, it just has to deal with the cost of maintaining plus their interests of putting the new features in the new system and all those kinds of things. But I just wanted to make it clear that these, these kinds of things uh, you're going to have to deal with in any form of software development. So even if you use an uh, a open source solution, you are going to, as that evolves, as any of these uh, systems evolve or these software ev evolves, you're going to have to adapt. So now I will agree that open source is probably going to be a better for longevity and you have more direct control of what you're doing as opposed to relying on a single source or having that single point of failure. But it, but it is a natural uh, part of the software development process. So let so me that's ask a... because, yeah, sorry, Beth. I was just going to say real quick, um, we, we know the big companies. We hear those in the news, right? The, the API. So Microsoft, obviously, they, they invested billions into OpenAI in 2019, and they've continued to do so. Um, so they're in bed with them. Uh, Salesforce, even though Salesforce, right, Beth, has uh, Einstein GPT, they are also um, have agreements with the open AI and they're using uh, that APIs. Uh, BuzzFeed, um, Shutterstock, we've heard about that one. We were just talking about that, the, I think, yesterday when we were talking about MidJourney. Um, so we hear these big companies, too. And I guess um, I'm curious how you guys see how let's say mid-sized companies, not the Microsoft. If you're if you're a company with 50 or less employees, how are you currently going to use the APIs? Is it probably just API keys at this point? Is it probably in these uh, agents, like you were mentioning, Andy, where it's going to be like uh, a Langflow or maybe even something simpler like a Zapier or a Make, where it's kind of just no code given to you in front of you? Or or do you see that there's some of these like companies are going to be in going into like Node.js and, and, and doing their own thing in Python? I think it depends on the comp complexity of the use case and the solution that they're trying to achieve, right? And when it comes to AI integration, it's all about what problem are you trying to solve? What bottleneck are you addressing? It's it's just no no different than any other technologies, uh, you know, wearing its ugly head trying to fix a problem that, you know, humans with sticks and rocks couldn't do, right? Like, you know, like the old uh, 2001 uh, kind of thing. So my point is that when it comes to, uh, integrating into a company, I think some with 50 or more will just use off-the-shelf products. And then some with 50 or less will be using very complex, fixing a certain problem they couldn't fix with humans. I, I know several friends, business owners that are like, hey, Robert, can you help me with this? Like, well, that's, that's quite complex. Like his POS system doesn't doesn't give him the export that he needs of the data he wants. So he wants his he owns a beer store called the Casual Pint, and it's like I want the data to tell me whenever the uh, the beer gets low in the kegs to notify me of the type of beer I need to order. Like that sounds so simple, right? But the POS doesn't give it to him. This the 
the ordering system doesn't give it to him. His inventory manager doesn't give it to him. So how do we make all those pieces work? And that seems kind of complex, you know? And so mm. I think that some small business owners will have complex API needs and, and you just, you know, quite frankly, hire one of us or go under Fiverr or find somebody that can actually make that happen is the way of the world right now. I think that's, it's so awesome to be able to get that technology to answer the questions that you're, that you're needing for your business. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I just, uh, so one of the things that I, that we've talked about is that AI really amplifies human ability, but it does not amplify human experience. So what Junmi was talking about, like, mm. hey, if you've been in software development, this is a thing, but I can now develop software without that experience. I don't have the history, like the cultural knowledge. I just have these little drag and drop no code tools and they're amazing, but mm. there are pieces that are missing in that skill set or tech stack. Yeah, it goes back to what we've been saying all along, which is that, you know, I think we were just saying it yesterday with MidJourney, um, but I know we've, this has been a common theme. It's going to be a common theme of the Daily AI Show is just that now more people than ever have the ability to do these no low code solutions or be able to do things with things like ChatGPT that we would have never thought possible, but there's still a spot for the experts because whether you're a photographer who understands light and aperture like we we're talking about yesterday for uh for mid journey and, and how that works or june me you know you've got coders who can go in there and say like yeah you can you can go and build that no code solution for with that api uh but it will only get you so far and you're not going to know what to do with it past this point you're going to need an expert in there and what are you going to do next month when they get rid of this model and update that model to your point like who's going to go in and make those adjustments to make sure your pro your product or your service doesn't fall down, you know? And so, you know, I don't know, Carl, I wanted to throw it back to you real quick as, as we're sort of wrapping up because, you know, I, I feel like probably you and Robert and maybe Jimmy, you guys have been building, Andy too, actually, I guess you guys have all been building um, more complex stuff. Like Carl, for what you've been doing with clients, is there like sort of a common theme for you as far as API? I know you've been saying like maybe the, the lang flows aren't quite there. Maybe the chatbots aren't quite there. Is there anything that you feel like is, baked enough at this point that businesses should be looking at? You know, it, it all depends on the specific business still just this, exactly just echoing Robert's point where, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? And specifically for, for the niche that I'm looking at, which is kind of the non-tech more traditional established groups where they only know what they know. And I think right now the biggest opportunities are probably the ones where uh, Zapier make really simple things that they can connect their systems to, whether it's quote unquote as complex as Salesforce or something even simpler as Google Sheets or Excel, just that simple using Google Sheets using OpenAI's API to help with accounting is a huge, huge benefit for countless companies who don't even know what they can do with that. So mm -hmm. that's sort of where I'm finding the easiest place to start rather than trying to go up to things like agents where I find when you explain those type of concepts, it's like it goes right over their heads. But if I explain, hey, you know what, I can, we can reduce your time to, you know, do reporting by 30, 40% just using sheets, 
OpenAI API, it's like yeah. the ROI is like, oh, you can? Perfect. Like it, it's I such a that. simple connection, right? I love that. I love. It. I mean, just to reiterate what you said, and then I know Robert, you got a use case for us to to wrap things up. But I just to reiterate what you were just saying, Carl. I love this idea. What you were just saying, or how I heard it was, it doesn't have to be complex. There's certainly complex solutions out there. There's the Microsofts, the Buzzfeeds, the Shutterstocks, and so on and so forth. And they probably have lots of very very smart people spending lots and lots of money building very complex things. But for the general user, to your point go find one thing that you could possibly automate or get help with and start at the basics. And that yeah. you may find more ROI on something very, very simple, the, the level of the keg or whatever the case is for that particular user that makes a massive impact for them. That's not necessarily complex and doesn't need to be. So I just yeah. wanted to reiterate that because I thought it was such a great point. Robert, that what is, you got? Yeah, that is 2023's AI 101 is ever since January, it's just, just do a little something for your role. Just, just use ChatGPT just to, just for, just to make one thing that you're doing at your business and your company and your role, make it a little bit more efficient. And that you just said again, Brian, again, we, six months later, just, just, just use one API call just to make your job. Just you're constantly, don't, don't try to wait, boil the ocean is the term. Just, just take yeah. a little thimble of water and boil that. Yeah. And so, um, so one, one use case I think I came across yesterday, and I, it's not mine, so I can't own it. Uh, another colleague from the uh, AI exchange, I was having a conversation with him yesterday and he was telling me somebody he knew, which was a brilliant programmer, come up with this. So uh, he's got a client that is constantly reviewing, um, um, what do you call it, venture capital you know, uh, opportunities. And they needed a way to scan the documents of all this, of all the information and understand, okay, what are the names of the owners? What is their different, different factors, right? Now you can upload a document one at a time and say, who are the owners? And it would probably pull it out, but he wanted to do it in scale. Like you know, they do hundreds of these, you know? So he was able to create an API function call. And this is what I guess going back to function calls who would specifically go out and find the names. That's all it was responsible for. So it was able to scan documents at scale as part of a larger API or a product. So for the, the product wasn't just finding the names, it was much, many other things. It would, mm -hmm. But that one particular uh, API was designed to say, I want you to go out and find the names. And so I, I think that is a very mm -hmm. specific, very small use case that was bundled inside a much larger product. It gives you some uh, insight as to how this particular uh, technology can be utilized for use cases anyway that, that was just one thought hopefully that was clear yeah for sure yeah. and so awesome. i think you know as we start to, to kind of take it out here this is a really good conversation i think it's a great way to end uh which is now you know aloha friday as uh it is now jumi has dubbed it and we will all follow along i will uh, make sure i have a, a shirt ready but have a great weekend everybody this has been a wonderful week can't wait to get back and talk to you guys on Monday with lots more AI topics. This has been the Daily AI Show Live, and we will see you next week, guys. Bye, see everybody. Ya.